a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thank you for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 2nd of December. And we start with breaking news from Germany. An horrific scene is unfolding with at least four people killed, including a toddler and 15 others injured, some critically, after a car ploughed into Christmas shoppers at high speed on a busy local street. Emergency crews are flooding to the southwestern city of Trier, while police have not been able to confirm at this early stage whether the SUV deliberately targeted the crowd. The driver, believed to be a 51-year-old local man, has been arrested. Also making news this morning, critical GDP figures for the September quarter will be released later today, and there's speculation they're set to show Australia is already out of a recession. After negative growth, the latest economic outlook is expected to show our local economy has grown by around 2.5% for that quarter. It comes as the OECD is warning the ongoing diplomatic tensions with China will affect our recovery, saying exporters have already been hit hard. The forecasters are predicting our economy won't bounce back to its pre-pandemic level until 2022. And we'll have more details on this coming up shortly in Finance with Scott Phillips. Also making news this morning, former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd says Australia should be doing more to deal with the continuing fallout with China and speaking less about it. The Chinese embassy in Canberra yesterday accused the federal government of overreacting to the fake Twitter image that showed a smiling Australian soldier holding a knife to the throat of an Afghan child. Speaking on the ABC, Mr Rudd questioned the government's handling of the situation. We should be doing more and, frankly, speaking less about the relationship, enhancing our substantive national security interests and standing, while at the same time being less predisposed to putting out a press release on it every second Tuesday. There are reports this morning that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and his family were recently given an experimental coronavirus vaccine from China. According to a US analyst at the Centre for the National Interest think tank in Washington, they were given the jab within the past few weeks, but it's unclear which company the vaccine was from or if it was proven to be safe. And Lewis Hamilton says he is feeling okay and is suffering just mild symptoms after testing positive to COVID-19. The Formula One champion will miss Sunday's Sakir Grand Prix and is now in isolation in Bahrain while contact tracing is underway. Hamilton says he and his team had taken every precaution in order to try and stay safe and is gutted he can't race this weekend. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning. Extra flights have been scheduled to and from Perth with WA's border to reopen to visitors from Victoria and New South Wales. Our Perth reporter Claire Baskus has more. Well, families are planning their Christmas reunions with the WA government scrapping quarantine requirements for visitors from those two states after improvements in their COVID situations. From next Tuesday, they won't have to go into isolation for 14 days from their arrival in the West, a rule that's been in place for months. Qantas and Jetstar alone are planning to add 65 more flights from Perth to Melbourne and Sydney each week. West Aussies are being told they can also head east if they wish, but it comes with a warning 
from Premier Mark McGowan. If you want to go to the eastern states, uh, you're free to go and uh, you're free to return home subject to the G2G pass. I just warn people that if there's an outbreak, we'll put a hard border up again. For now, South Australia remains off limits to WA after the recent COVID cluster in Adelaide. So, Tash, we're expecting emotional scenes at Perth Airport next week. To Queensland now, and another tough day ahead for firefighters on Fraser Island, desperately attempting to contain a massive inferno as it edges closer to local communities. Our reporter Amy Drew has the details. Well, a water bombing fleet is the key weapon at the moment to contain this bushfire in largely inaccessible areas of the island, conditions just too risky to have crews on the front line. As hot and dry conditions pair with strong northerly winds, Queensland Fire and Emergency Services say there's little to no chance of extinguishing the blaze. The focus on steering it away from tourism areas, including the popular Kingfisher Bay Resort and ecologically important sites. The blaze has been burning for six weeks now. It's believed it was sparked by an illegal campfire and it's chewed through more than 76,000 hectares of forest or around half of the island. It's absolutely devastating, Taj, but we're keeping our fingers crossed that conditions may settle in the next few days as we get slight reprieve from this heat wave that much of Queensland is experiencing. To Victoria now, and there are reports this morning that the state government has forked out millions of dollars on four Melbourne hotels to act as quarantine facilities, with many of them remaining empty since the start of October. Our reporter, James Lake, has the details. Thanks, Tash. Victorian taxpayers have been shelling out more than $7 million to fully book out four Melbourne quarantine hotels for the past two months. But here's the catch They've been left empty. The three hotels in the CBD, the Stamford Plaza, Mercure Welcome and Holiday Inn on Flinders and the Park Royal Melbourne Airport have a total of 1,123 rooms between them. They've been fully booked just in case they were needed. Now, they can expect to be a bit busier from next week, though, with the state accepting 160 returned international travellers a day from Monday. They'll all be shuffled straight into quarantine. And in Sydney, thousands of homes are still without power this morning after wild storms hit late yesterday. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has the details. Yeah, Tash, chaotic scenes during the fast but powerful storms that hit Sydney last night, with power still out to thousands of homes. The worst hit areas were the Hawkesbury, Blue Mountains and Sydney's West, some parts seeing hail. There's been 256 calls for help to our state emergency service after wind gusts of more than 100 k's brought down trees and power lines. But it was the lightning that stole the show, one strike causing delays on the train network at Granville, while a blaze broke out on an historic building in Sydney's inner west. The tower of a 132-year-old mansion in Ashfield caught fire after a lightning strike hit it. Thankfully, though, fireys rushed to the scene, putting out the blaze in around half an hour. Now for the latest in business and finance news this Wednesday morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, as we reported earlier, we're expecting those critical GDP figures for the September quarter to show the Australian economy has grown with speculation we could already be out of a recession. Yeah, Tash, good morning. The estimates and the consensus forecast from the people who are supposed to know these things suggest that GDP growth in the September quarter, yes, growth, will be somewhere between 2 and 3%. And as we know, a technical recession is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. 
this will break the back of that and Australia will be, if those numbers come in as expected, out of recession. Now, of course, that's not everybody and it's not across the board. There's still plenty of people hurting. But good news is the recovery continues and we should be out of recession by this time tomorrow. It's extraordinary turnaround, but the ongoing tensions with China, especially with the trade relationship, uh, those developments are going to be critical to this ongoing recovery, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the big risk. For for all of, you know, COVID we've got through, 2020 just keeps on giving, doesn't it? The, the concerns, of course, are that at the moment there's 10 different commodities that China has effectively black banned its importers from ordering from us. I, or, of course, the big one down the pike, we hope it doesn't get that bad. Some reports say that China's demand from Australia, the exports we send them, could be up to 6% of our GDP. So if that was to really go pear-shaped, this would plunge us unfortunately back into that recession we just talked about having got out of. So yeah, cool heads need to prevail. We need to find a solution with China. That remains unfortunately the big concern on the economic horizon. And Scott, some key decisions yesterday on interest rates, the RBA standing firm on not changing them at this stage. Yeah, that's right. As you suggest, the RBA had said they would keep rates low for a very long time. So really, the only direction was down from here. But they've also said they don't want to go negative. So at 0.1%, that leaves them almost nowhere to go. Most importantly, I think the RBA reaffirming their plans for when, if and when, they increase the rates. And that will be when inflation is back within that 2 to 3% inflation range. They're not going, to, not going to do it if they think it's going to get there. They're going to wait until it's sustainably inside that range. And they talk about needing wage inflation to get there. And that's good news for all of us who want to pay rise. And, of course, they are saying that it could be up to three years before we get there and see that rate go up. So some degree of, if not certainty, at least predicted certainty from the RBA on mortgage rates. And Scott, the Australian economy is doing so well compared to other countries. We've seen COVID-19 claim a 242-year-old British retailer. Yeah, Debenhams, a name that might be familiar to, to some listeners. Debenhams has yeah, said 242 years old, which when you think about it is older than European occupation of Australia. It really is a scenario where... You know, unfortunately for them, long-term lockdowns plus a business model that was already under threat. We know Myra and David Jones here are also and have been for years having trouble. Debbins was already in administration, but the administrator is pretty much putting up the white flag overnight and saying, look, right now it seems we're going to just sell the stock, liquidate it, and then basically start closing down stores. So a sad and unfortunate ending for a venerated UK retailer, but very much a sign of the times. Yeah, they've survived two world wars, you could say, and um, not COVID. Yeah, could, couldn't make it. It's just one of those things where, you know, changing consumer habits, We people were already shopping online, already shopping in specialty stores. So, I mean, you know, Myra and DJs have, have had their troubles for more than a decade. Debenham's the same. This seems to win the final blow. Just couldn't get out from under the, the, the burden of trying to operate that many stores in a, in a format that, frankly, shoppers aren't flocking to the way we used to in the past. Scott Phillips, thanks as always. Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Now let's check sport with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the Aussies can claim a series sweep in tonight's third one-dayer against India in Canberra. Yes, at Monica Oval. Good morning, Tash. That's right. We've done it comfortably so far, winning the first two games at the SCG with relative ease. We've seen some big scores, and we could get a big score tonight. The last uh, six or seven matches, one-day internationals in Canberra, we've had scores in the 370s. We've had one over 400, so look for some fireworks tonight. We won't see that from David Warner, of course, out with a groin injury. Pat Cummins will be rested. Matthew Wade is in the frame to open the batting alongside Aaron Finch, while Sean Abbott 
Abbott could be the likely replacement for Pat Cummins. He's been in red-hot form in Sheffield Shield cricket. Now, uh, Warney, Shane Warne wants to see Cameron Green given his debut, but he's warned against experimenting too much tonight. You've got to try and keep the foot on the throat. You want to be ruthless. So you don't want to try three or four players and, and suddenly give India a feeling that, oh, Australia aren't taking this. That'll, that'll rile them up and might bring them into an extra gear. Because, of course, we've got T20s and the all-important test series coming up against India as well. We cannot wait for that. Brett, our most experienced basketballer, this is sad news, won't take part in next year's Olympic campaign. Yeah, he kept everyone guessing, Andrew Bogut, making the announcement yesterday on his uh, podcast that he is set to retire. Would have been his fourth Olympic Games. Now, the sad part is, Tasha, is that he would have played this year, but Tokyo, of course, being delayed and he just couldn't get there. He's 36 years of age. He's had a long history uh, of injury. Was taken pick one in the NBA draft back in 2005. Played 14 seasons in the NBA. The highlight, of course, was winning the championship with the Golden State Warriors back in 2015. And then put in some great seasons with the Sydney Kings and really putting the NBL uh, back on the map. But uh, he spoke to his podcast yesterday and said that injuries in the end did take their toll. I'm not going to lie to you, the last two years have been a real challenge for me just to, to get out of bed in the morning some days, let alone go to a training session or, or a game. And the body probably from 2018 onwards was hanging by a thread. He's been a big presence for a long time and he will be sorely missed. Uh, we've finished fourth a couple of times, so unfortunately he won't get that medal that he was searching for. A great player. We wish him all the best. And Brett, huge news with her Formula One. Lewis Hamilton testing positive to COVID-19. There's speculation he tested positive straight after a race. How did this happen? It's a really good question because they're in Bahrain at the moment and he's released a statement, Lewis Hamilton, via Instagram saying that they've taken all the precautions that they possibly can. Uh, they've followed the regulations everywhere that they've been uh, to stay safe. And he even returned three negative tests in the past week. But he woke up Monday morning with mild symptoms and then returned two positive tests. So that rules him out of the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, this weekend. It's the first GP he's missed since uh, Australia way back in 2007. He's already wrapped up uh, his world title, the seventh world title that he's won, thankfully. But yeah, you just wonder how this happened. Maybe it was a a team member who'd come in late. But uh, let's hope it doesn't affect the rest of the team or the rest of the Formula One uh, paddock because he is the biggest name in, in Formula One. Interesting to see who wins uh, with him uh, not racing this weekend. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now, and the Weather Bureau has confirmed that Australia has experienced its hottest November on record after those scorching temperatures around the country over the past week. Let's check the temperatures for this Wednesday morning around the country now. And firstly, to Brisbane, mostly sunny today, a top of 34 on the way, partly cloudy and 24 for Sydney. Melbourne, cloudy, top of 19 degrees today, sunny and 26 for the national capital, windy conditions and cloud expected for Hobart this Wednesday, 17 the high. Cloud should clear from Adelaide today, 23 on the way, 26 and sunny for Perth. And Darwin, a few showers expected with a possible storm and a high of 34. And after a number of heartbreaking years battling that once-in-a-generation drought, there is finally some great news for our farmers. New South Wales is on track to see one of its biggest crops on record, with wheat production up an incredible 106% compared to last year. Decent rainfall earlier this year has also seen crops, including barley and canola, increase across Victoria 
and South Australia. Grain farmer Sarah Greer from Moree in northwestern New South Wales says after the devastating drought, they finally have a reason to smile and their crop this year is one of the best on record. It's unbelievable. We've had, you know, four disastrous years and um, I think, you know, if this year hadn't come off, there is no doubt we would have been selling. Yeah, I've never been so pleased to be driving around in an unair-conditioned truck taking grain from the from the paddock to the silos just because we just couldn't keep up with it. Such great news for farmers in our rural communities. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Tasha Belly. Thank you so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.